Welcome to the Paradox Podcast. We are coming live from my living room. Welcome, Jasmine. It's good to see you. Hello. Good to see you as well in a different atmosphere. We are going to be talking more about our service last Saturday, Abigail and Folklore, with questions uh, that we've heard from other people and a few questions that we've been asking around the office as well. So, Yeah, we just want to continue the discussion um, about the things leading up to it and also afterwards. Um, so let's just get started. Let's do it. So how did we choose to link Folklore and Abigail? Well, when we knew that we were going to do Taylor Swift and the Queens of David, um, we wanted to do them in the sequence of Folklore, Evermore, and Midnight's because we thought those three could match because mm-hmm. um, that's the chronological order of Taylor Swift's discography. Yes, correct. Um, However, uh, what happened was we felt like Evermore felt much better with Michelle's story, particularly mm-hmm. because the songs tolerate it, which, you know, because Michelle loved David, she felt like her love was tolerated, even though she gave her heart away. Yeah. And then also the song Coney Island with wondering where her baby went when David disappears for 15 years. Mm-hmm. So Evermore was very much an intentional choice with Michelle. Mm-hmm. Abigail, it was like, could we make it work with folklore? <laughs> <laughs> and we had this original story of this idea was that it was going to be a parallel of Abigail and David with mm-hmm. the story that is happens in Second Samuel with Bathsheba and David. Yeah. And so the original story was that it was going to be the exact same, where David sleeps with another man's wife. Uh, he then wants her to be his wife, so he murders that man, mm-hmm. and then he claims her as his rightful wife. That's the story of Bathsheba. It's kind of the same in Abigail's story, but uh, the more we talked about it and the more I started running rough drafts by people like Jasmine, <laughs> there was this hesitation of like, uh, I don't know if I like that, yeah. uh, <laughs> because it was too icky, it was too dark, and it was it was just like it didn't make Abigail really feel human. Like there wasn't the right motivations or anything. Mm. So um, we felt like the song originally that paired with that was illicit affairs Mm -hmm. because it would be like another affair. But what happened was we said, okay, can we make it feel like she's betrayed her husband without her actually cheating on him? Yeah. Yeah. And so when Nabal's like, don't go to David, which is pretty apparent in the biblical story. Mm-hmm. And she goes to David. That's a pretty big betrayal. Yeah. So Illicit Affairs was the first song that fit in. And then you read Abigail's story and you said mm-hmm. Mirbal really goes well with this story. Why don't you share what it was with Mirbal that really fit with Abigail's story for you? Yeah. Um, I mean, I am a folklore fan, so I know that album pretty well. Um, and Mirrorball is a song that really resonates with me. Um, I'm not a number two on the Enneagram, but I am a one with wing two. So I kind of have that personality trait as Abigail, like wanting to be a people pleaser. And when I read that she is just throwing all these extravagant parties, um, for essentially like for Nabal and like doing anything for Nabal and like the people in in her community um I kind of took her interaction with David as like a kind of parallel to that um because David asked Nabal for all these things and she uh when Nabal refused she's like well like you should just do it because 
then he'll be happy. And if he's happy, then everyone's happy because that's how she kind of lived her life before then. Like if everyone's or if I make this person happy, then everyone will be happy. So it was just like her way of life that like, oh yeah, I'm just going to fix this because I don't want like there to be war. And her alternative in her head would be that Nabal and David are fighting and she's like, well, this is a simple fix. I can just give them goats and, and they'll be done with it. Um, which kind of led to us going into her character development and like journeying on that road of like her learning that this isn't um, how you should be. And the more that you try to please other people, you're just going to be hurting yourself. And I think that that's why this story resonated with a lot of people. Um, because it's very relatable. I feel like a lot of the times we get stuck and um, trying to please people because they think that it, we think that it'll be better for our lives in the end. And sometimes that's just not the case. Yeah, I think everybody's had that experience at some point where you assume that if you treat people well, they'll treat you well. Yeah. And then they don't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I can remember growing up like, there was this moment where I realized there was no such thing as an actual adult. <laughs> We're all just children, essentially. Yeah. Um, and it's it's those hard experiences that everyone has lived. Yeah. And it's while we, there, it does require imagination to see that perspective in Abigail's story. Mm-hmm. I don't think it takes a lot of imagination because it's possible to really empathize with her character when you consider this story just from her perspective. Yeah, exactly. And that's why I think that um, it was good that we changed direction uh, with this story a little bit more because we we adjusted it to be more of her as the main character. And I think it made her more human than just a parallel to Bathsheba. Um, because even in that, in that way, it was still like she's just a mirror to Bathsheba. But now we've made her her own character. And I think that people have really felt that. Yeah. And when we asked Raphael from Mexico, our artist that uh, so graciously designs all of our figures um, to, to portray Abigail, I wanted her to be like really like look like she had just been betrayed and mm. upset by that mm-hmm. um, because that is so much of her story. Yeah. Um, now, if you read the story word for word in the Bible, it appears that she hates Nabal from the beginning, um, which there is an alternate telling that you could tell where Nabal's a terrible person mm-hmm. and David rescues her. Yeah. It's just a little too convenient yeah. <laughs> yeah. For, for it to work out for old Dave. Yeah. Um, that it, makes us, it makes us pause, but that, that kind of image is who I have in my mind for Abigail. Um, yeah. And I, I really respect her as a, as a character in the Bible because of what she did. And the way that this story has made me think about who she really was Mm -hmm. and how she proudly behaved. Yeah. Well, and I think that an artistic liberty that you did take and that we constantly talk about when we talk about any biblical story is that all of these are written by a person with perspective, with influence. And if they wanted to paint David as this glorious king, of course, they're going to make Nabal the bad guy. Yeah. So, yeah. It just, you just have to kind of look at all the different perspectives that it could be. Yeah. Um, so in writing this sermon and prepping and delivering and speaking with everyone after the service, 
Was there anything that became like your favorite part? I think being able to hear these songs with this story for the first time, which mm-hmm. is always at 10 o'clock on Saturday. We don't do a full run through. Yeah. <laughs> like the songs hit different. Mm-hmm. And I, I have, I've listened to folklore more than any other Taylor Swift album mm-hmm. by far. However, I think that you've probably listened to it by a magnitude of 10 compared to what <laughs> I've listened to of that album. Um, and I know for me, like when I heard Exile without Bon Iver's part mm. and at the end of Abigail's story, it like, it was goosebump inducing. Like I was just yeah. like, yeah. whoa, it's like I all of a sudden got to see it in 3D. Right. That's how I felt when Taylor did it as a surprise song. There you go. See, (laughs) (laughs) Um, and Exile was like one of those non-negotiables in this thing because I was like, "That's my favorite song on the album. It has to be there." Yeah. Um, And it really fit with her story, even though the lyrics don't 100% line up, Mm -hmm. but the vibe definitely fits. Yeah. And so um, when people ask me like, "What is it that you like about this, or what do you enjoy?" It's Mm seeing it for the first time all together because if you're surprised or excited as somebody who's watching this I want you to know I'm just as excited and just as surprised yeah yeah and I feel like that's been a lot of our services recently um since we've been shifting into making our music more intentional um because we talk about the meaning of each song and we talk about a little bit what you're speaking about but we never see the full picture and when we all experience it Saturday morning and it flows together well and we're like, oh, I didn't even notice that line also goes along with it. It just feels like everything is falling into place and it's like we're seeing the painting come together just as quickly as everyone else. Yeah. And that's what I like about doing one service. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. uh, I mean, who knows? We may do two services in the future, but that's one real yeah. positive thing about doing one service mm-hmm. is we're just as in awe or excited about it as anybody who walks in through our doors. Yeah. Now you're obviously a Taylor Swift fan. Mm-hmm. What are these stories or these songs like for you? particularly this week because you were on stage last week yeah like as somebody just in the audience in the congregation Mm -hmm. seeing all this and hearing these songs that you're so familiar with like what stood out to you or what did you experience as you heard these songs paired with this ancient story Mm -hmm. well I've said before that the sermons and album series always give me a new meaning to these songs that I listen to um but I think that especially this week I just really felt Abigail and like how, you know, we imagine her to feel. And it felt very real to me. Like she felt like a friend. Just like these these songs by Taylor Swift, they were written in my lifetime. Like I, you know, watched that whole process of it being released and everyone experiencing it at the same time. So I already have memories tied to those songs. And then adding onto that with the story of Abigail, it just feels like real and not just a biblical story from hundreds of years ago. Um, And it's just a reminder that that these are common human experiences um, and that we just should share empathy to everyone because a lot of people are experiencing the same things, not just Taylor Swift, but <laughs> biblical heroes and yeah. characters as well. Yeah. I know My Tears Ricochet was always a song that I was like, 
meh toward Mm -hmm. because I like the guitar and the piano. Like Mm. the more I hear those instruments in their like native forms, the more I typically appreciate music. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But that's the song that I like improved the most for me Mm -hmm. (laughs) in like prepping, writing this story and, and all, and hearing Maddie sing it on Saturday. Like that song has stuck with me as like this, like, there's sadness, but there's also defiance to it. Mm-hmm. And that's, once again, the embodiment of what Abigail's story is to me. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I feel like that one just spontaneously fell into place. Um, like it ended up being a better fit than we intended it to be. <laughs> well, we were deciding last minute, right? Like, yeah. Week of, we were like, does it go after Nabal dies? Yeah. Or does Mad Woman go after Nabal dies? Mm-hmm. And what we settled on was it makes the most sense if... Um, if Abigail feels helpless mm-hmm. after Nabal's dead, she suspects David of murder. And then she's like, where do I go? And she realizes there's nowhere for her to go. Yeah. That just seemed to roll into Mad Woman better. Yeah. But we were debating that, I think, up until Wednesday, yeah. Thursday. Yeah. And we picked these songs a while ago. So. Yeah. Yeah. So it it really was like we were trying to fit the story into the folklore songs. But then it ended up being as impactful as if um, the songs were to fit the story. What did you learn the first week that made you change things for the second week? The biggest surprise was actually a comment from you Mm -hmm. when you said to me, I wish you would have talked more at the end. Yeah. Which is the opposite of everything my daughter has ever told me my whole (laughs) life. (laughs) Um, I was really stunned by that because... I didn't think that people would like that justification at the end. Like, Mm. it's all me just saying, hey, like, uh, here's all the things that I did. Um, I do this now so that that way when you go back and read the Bible, you don't feel betrayed. Yeah, yeah. So I was really surprised by you saying that. And then um, I got a text message from Olivia who was like, that part at the end was just the, and then she said, chef's kiss over the text. (laughs) It's the chef's kiss on the whole thing. And I was... I was once again surprised because it wasn't designed to be that. Mm -hmm. Um, A lot of it was actually driven by what's been going on with Hassan Minaj. Um, And I don't know if we've talked about that story, but Uh, he's a comedian who um, embellished stories or combined Mm. stories or showed pictures of people who had wronged him who hadn't on his tour. Uh And when confronted about it by a reporter, um, he said to them, I, well, my stories are standup is performance art. It's not about telling truths. And oh. he talks about how his standup is a lot more rooted in emotional truth mm. than in like factual truth. And I heard that and, uh, okay. is all I can <laughs> yeah. say. It rubbed me the wrong way though. Yeah. And then I said, well, I don't want that to happen from this experience. Yeah. I don't want anybody to think that I'm prioritizing emotional truth. Mm-hmm. over the story that's in the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so I was like, I'm going to clarify each of those liberties taken and yeah. why I did it yeah. because I don't want to be in that category. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it was all this like, it, it, to me, it's like legal footnotes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then you come along, you're like, well, I want more legal footnotes. <laughs> and I'm just a little bit confused by all this. And uh, even after Abigail and Folklore, mm-hmm. I heard the same thing where people said like, oh, when you... When you stood up and like really talked about the, somebody called it the director's commentary. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of, they, they just said how much they loved it. And I was kind of surprised by it. So I guess I would ask you like, 
why do you think people like that so much? Or why did you ask to hear that part more? Because I, that was never designed to be like a crowd pleaser yeah, or anything yeah. like that. Yeah. Well, for me, I thought that the first half of just the stories um, or just the big story was kind of one part of the picture. And then I really wanted to like hear your opinion about it. Um, so that was like the also more. And I think everyone really likes the artistic liberties because um, you're very upfront about it. But it's also like when you're sitting there listening, you're like, okay, that's actually like not even that far off. Mm. And it's it's details to make the focus, like the picture more clear, but it's not like it's the wrong picture. Um, and Jeremy said that it's kind of like an English class when you read a story and you all give your, your critiques about like, what do you think this means? And of course they're technically artistic liberties because that's not written and, but it's your interpretation of the text and all the research that you've done. And I think that people just see value in that. Um, and a couple of people said to me, like, it's very obvious that you have taken the time to do your research and actually think about how these people really felt, you know, and you're giving them a voice and making them a real character when they were just just another line in the text for someone else's story. Mm. So I think that, that is what people really like is just making them feel more real um, and the artistic liberties are, yes, it's really good that you say them, but I think everyone understands where you're coming from. And it's just like, it's just better to say 15 years than like several years. You know, yeah. everyone yeah. likes detail, but you're not always going to have that. So it's just to paint a better picture. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, what is something that you wanted to talk about if you have anything, um, but you didn't get a chance to? That's an interesting question. I feel like I get to talk about almost everything I want to talk about at Paradox, which mm -hmm. is really like a gift the community has given. Not to me, but I would say it also to everyone else at Paradox. Yeah. Um, I hope that people feel like they can express what they're really feeling. And yeah. if they ask questions sincerely, mm -hmm. like I feel like there's room for any question mm -hmm. if it's asked with sincerity, not like in a way to like embarrass or belittle someone else. Yeah. That being said, when you say, what do I feel like I, or what do we wish we would have more of? I wish we could have worked in the song Invisible String because mm. I love that song on the album yeah. <laughs> and I couldn't find a place for it because um, yeah. we have a hard five song limit because we have logistical issues. Mm -hmm. And if I could have added one more song, I, it would have been about Nabal and uh, Abigail's relationship mm. and that song would have been placed there. Yeah. Um, but it's just too hard to have our musicians because they have to learn six songs every week right now yeah. and five of them are songs they've never played in church yeah. so um it's a lot that we ask of our musicians but uh that's the one thing i felt like i would have added if given just a little more space or a little more time mm -hmm. to do something like that yeah so i know the story of invisible string and it's about people that are you know invisibly strung together by the universe so how would you connect that to nabal and abigail I, you know, I think that I try my best to not 
give them a modern marriage in the mm-hmm. story. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. Like a marriage of equals where yeah. like they both have equal say and her name's on the deed for this massive <laughs> yeah. estate. Like that's not that's not a biblical marriage. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um and I use that term a little bit facetiously. Um I try to make them give them a realistic marriage, but mm-hmm. a healthy marriage for their day, which mm. is he respects her, she respects him, she he listens to her. Yeah. Um and he's genuinely concerned with what she wants. Mm-hmm. Like that's about as as healthy as a marriage could have been in that era, mm-hmm. probably. Um, and so we try to make that realistic. But I would use the song "Invisible String" to try to illustrate a healthy relationship between the two of them, mm-hmm. um, because the Bible definitely does not, because they're interested in advancing the character of David yeah. in First Samuel. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So someone asked specifically, are you sure it wasn't Abigail who poisoned the ball? <laughs> I love that question after the service. Uh, <laughs> uh, the answer is no. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is an alternate telling, just like this is an alternate telling, right? Yeah. There's an alternate telling where Abigail does poison David. Oh, I'm mm-hmm. sorry, not David. Abigail does poison the ball, right? Mm-hmm. The difference is there is a precedent or a post I don't know what you call it. There's another story where David does this exact yeah. move where he's like, yeah, I'm going to kill this guy to, so that I can have his wife. Mm-hmm. Um, and once that story is set uh, as a post dent or whatever we want to call it after the fact, yeah. we can go back and look at this story and say, oh, it fits in the same category. I, mm-hmm. I don't think Bathsheba and Abigail fit in the same category, particularly after doing this whole sermon yeah. now. Um, but the story fits in the same category, I would say. And so it's more natural to illustrate David as the murderer Mm -hmm. because it fits more with what the story is. Yeah. Um, now somebody could read this closely and this is just to give you an idea of how, what it means to engage with the text. Someone could read this story closely and talk about when Abigail is speaking to David, how she speaks very lowly of her husband. Mm. Right. So yes, there is an alternate telling out there where she murders Nabal because she just hates him or he's abusive or the only way out is through a murder. Yeah. But that's not the story we chose to tell Mm -hmm. because I felt like this was a better story. And I felt like it was closer to the text and the character of who David was. Yeah. Well, and anyone that watches crime shows knows that the (laughs) most recent murder, the one that you have all the information for is usually not the first. Yeah. So, well, if we, if we had more time in the, in the sermon at the end, Mm -hmm. I would have talked about how David is only sorry in the story of Bathsheba because he gets caught. Mm. And this is a story where he, in my opinion, most likely does not get caught for doing the same sin. Yeah. And he seems to have no qualms about it. Mm -hmm. So the problem is not the murder for David. The problem is, oh, I got caught doing it. Yeah. Which, in my opinion, really fits in with the character of David (laughs) in this biblical story. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So we've had a lot of men share comments about loving this series as well. And I know we never had the conversation of making men the intended audience. So why do you think that men are resonating with these stories where the main male character is perceived as the villain? This has surprised me a lot mm-hmm. um, because, yeah, when you pick Taylor Swift albums for three weeks, like there are some Swifties that are male in our congregation, but mm-hmm. the majority are not. And we didn't choose these albums for those 
male Swifties in particular, yeah. right? Um, and, and what's really surprised me too is like, I just, I never, we never thought like this would be a, a, a series that would really resonate with middle-aged or older men. Mm-hmm. And yet somehow it has in these first two weeks. Um, and yeah. I, I feel very lucky that we get to, that that's that, that it means something to, to middle-aged men like yeah. myself. <laughs> um, and I think a big part of that is just, we have done our best to prioritize the humanity yeah. of these characters. And yes, gender is a big part of their stories, mm-hmm. right? But there is also a humanity that always transcends gender. Mm-hmm. It doesn't erase gender, transcends gender, and is something that everyone should resonate with. Yeah, I think about how often in my life, growing up in church, women were asked to empathize with male characters in the stories. Mm-hmm. And I think that a reason that men are more excited about this series is they are finding that there are biblical um, female characters that they can really resonate with mm-hmm. as long as their humanity is prioritized. Yeah, yeah. And so that's what I'm really excited about. I think that's where it's coming from. It's yeah. a guess. <laughs> yeah. But it has taken me by surprise. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I think that that with both the characters that we've already gone through, um, their experiences that mostly everyone has experienced or will experience with Michelle and like being overlooked and not appreciated and then Abigail being betrayed and like wanting to please everyone I think that everyone kind of has similar experiences so it's easy to empathize with those like human traits um so I think that that's why it's not just women or Swifties but it's a lot of people can find value in these stories Mm. What has this series meant for you as a woman? Like, has there been things that you've been excited to hear or things that you've heard mm-hmm. before, but it's, it's different or it's all kind of the same? What have you experienced personally with that? Yeah, well, whenever we go into stories that I've heard before um, and tell them in a different way or look at them from a different perspective, it's very refreshing to me and almost like like a weight is lifted because I've just heard the same stories over and over again. Mm. And I feel like I'm not learning anything new. But then when we talk about it with different main characters, I feel like I see it from a different perspective and in a different light. And I can empathize differently and feel different things because of different characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think now I will just like look at it's just other examples for me to look at the bible and just say it's all about perspective and who has written this and it's not that we don't value the bible but it's 100 percent accurate in the way that a people group um perceive it over decades great close very close over (laughs) multiple generations there you go yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah. the new testament's over decades okay so you're not far off there but that old testament is over um like several hundred years yeah. So I really appreciate this series because it's it's brought new life to stories that I've heard a million times or stories I've never heard. Um, I don't think I've ever heard anything about Abigail. And anything that I have heard about Michelle has been very little. Um, but, you know, everyone talks about King David. And that's just such a prevalent story. But there's also more to it. 
and you can learn so much more in these smaller stories as well. Yeah, I've only heard one sermon that I remember on Abigail Mm -hmm. by someone else. And the whole point was that God wanted Abigail and David to end up together because Mm -hmm. Abigail could calm David down. Mm. And it was very much like she was an accessory in the story. Yeah. And it wasn't anything about what was good for Abigail. Yeah. It was about how David could be a better king. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that's that's the only one that I remember. Um, I know other people talked about this story, but it's it is a story that not as many people talk about because it is kind of icky. I mean, in the biblical text, God strikes Nabal dead, which yeah. raises its own sets of questions, yeah. right? I actually think the story is easier if David does kill Nabal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and I will tell you what's fun for me during this series, too is with Abigail, I'm up there and I'm telling the story and I can see people who have grown up in church and they're all looking at me like, do I know this story? Hmm. (laughs) And they're trying to figure out if they know how it ends, (laughs) even though they're hearing like an artistic interpretation of it. Yeah. Um, And that's, that's a lot of fun for me because Mm -hmm. by when like David murders in the ball, they're like, nope, haven't heard this one. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and then like we start to bring it around. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, that sounds familiar. So it is, it's a lot of fun to do yeah. some of the deeper cuts of scripture. Yeah. Well, and it's always really fun to learn more about the women in the Bible because mm-hmm. I know so few are talked about. And even the rest of David's wives, most of them, we just don't even know their names. <laughs> yeah. So it's just, I think it's a good thing that we are focusing on these women. Yeah, Absolutely. So what can we expect next week as we talk about Bathsheba and what are the differences between Michal, Abigail, and Bathsheba? So Bathsheba is interesting because she actually has a much bigger story than the story that she is, um, I'll say, infamous for, not Mm -hmm. because she's the villain in the story, but because churches have made her the villain Mm. (laughs) in the story. Um, And so... She only gets three mentions in 2 Samuel, which is where that story occurs. And then she gets eight, I think it's eight to 10 mentions somewhere, somewhere in there in mm-hmm. First Kings. And she has a much bigger story later on. So we've tried to build that around that second story mm-hmm. that occurs while also including the first story. Mm-hmm. Um, the other part too is David and Bathsheba don't talk to each other like at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so... Uh, I, I want to fill in more of those conversations because they are in spaces where they should be talking to each other. Mm. And so even with Michal, like there's nothing that David really says to Michal until he reprimands her for reprimanding him. Yeah. And then um, David gives that weird speech about how great Abigail is in front of everybody mm. right before he murders Nabal. <laughs> so uh he, when he talks to women, it's it's some weird conversations. And yeah. I want to capture some of the weirdness of, of those conversations mm-hmm. in his conversations with Bathsheba, which we have to imagine completely. Yeah. Um, but I think it fills in gaps for her stories. And hopefully it will still feel very human. But yeah. um, I think that she, we're trying to develop her as a character that is very different from Abigail and very different from Michal. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm excited about the songs that we've picked. So. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it just felt like Midnight's was the natural fit for this story. Yeah. So yeah. I'm really excited to share this with everybody this coming Saturday. Yeah, me too. I can't wait to see it all come together. And even as we were speaking about it today, it just, you know, 
feels like it's it's coming into place and fitting well um and i think that even though that those conversations are technically artistic liberties i think it's very valid because you know you can't get from point a to point b without having a conversation Mm -hmm. so there is some things left out of the text and yes we have to imagine them but by looking at the result, you can kind of see where those conversations were going. So I'm excited to hear all that. Yeah, well, it should be fun. So we hope people can join us next weekend. Yeah, we hope. (laughs) All right, thank you so much for listening to the Paradox Podcast. We'll be back next week to talk about behind the scenes of Bathsheba and Midnight's. Uh, Until then, we hope you can join us this Saturday and we'll see you soon. Bye.